God, you're so great and mighty. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness, your love, your power, and your holy presence. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. My God, my God, my God, I praise you. And I worship you, Lord. And I bless you, righteous and mighty Savior. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and glory. You have a Bible tonight? I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Psalms. Good, sweet spirit of the Lord. I want to yield to him. Thank you, dear God. Turning to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. I'm going to go ahead and begin with verse 127 and 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Verse 4, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. And if you'll flip over to the New Testament with me, looking at the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. And verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing, I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. I want to just put something, a little something together with you this, this evening. Just a few minutes. I know it's basically a holiday. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The Old Testament, Psalms, David was inspired of the Holy Ghost in his, there's nothing that indicates was his fault, or, but he found himself compassed about with some difficulties. And the uh, Bible did say if you live godly, 
in Christ Jesus that you're going to suffer persecution. God has a way of getting us ready because there's some things coming down the pike, church family. We're in the end of the last days. And there is some conditioning that takes place. There is some helping us to acclimate to the changing climate and environment in which we find ourselves. Somebody, well, actually, I saw an article, and somebody then showed me the article and asked me if I'd seen it, and I said, yes, I did. And they were very upset about the article because the article was about a person who's involved with a place we're not involved with or caring about at all, and that's a place called Hollywood and what all they produce. And uh, this individual said that they were putting out a line of gender bender clothes and that our children ought to be able to wear whatever they want to wear. And so they've designed dresses for boys. Obviously, they've designed boys' clothes for the girls. The kind of world we're living in, changing situations, at least definitely much more out there in front of everybody. Laws are changing, as Daniel was told and revealed to by the angel, that the Antichrist would seek to change times and laws so it's, uh, we're watching, we're experiencing before our very eyes changes that go against the laws and the teachings of our great God. It has been brought out before that when God sent Moses to Egypt to deliver his people, that in leaving and finally convincing Pharaoh, and maybe convincing is not even the right word because it looked like whenever Pharaoh got beat up bad enough and got ready to say okay, God hardened his heart. It's kind of like Pharaoh saying, I'm done. And God said, no, you're not. <laughs> I'm not done spanking you yet. We've got to make sure this point gets across. So God systematically defeated and destroyed the gods, small g. Remember, they're gods many and lords many. But to us, the church, there is but one God. And his name is Jesus Christ. Amen and amen and amen. And amen. So God just went about to defeat the enemy one by one until God's people were brought out of Egypt or type of the world, brought out of sin, brought out of darkness, brought out of things that God said, these things are wrong. This is not how I want it done. I'm so happy that 46 plus years ago that God brought me out of this world, out of sin and out of darkness, gave me a 
a heart change, a nature change, and an experience that gave me joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that by his grace, never looked back, not interested in going, go back to what? Nothing to go back to. The challenge for, you know, people who have been in darkness, been in sin, been lost, they're just raised up a certain way and they didn't know anything other until the goodness and the grace of God came their way. And they got witness to like I did. And again, by his goodness and his grace, you obeyed what you read. You submitted to what you read. You got excited about what you read in the Word of God. And you got the experience that the Bible said you must get, born again of water and the Spirit. Water being baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, of the Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the gift of God. And that placed you in the body of Christ. And it gave you joy unspeakable. It gave you such happiness. And it put a spring in your hill, in your step, and you dance like nobody can teach to dance. Only the Holy Ghost can do it. And uh, the challenge, it's so different when you come out of the world. I mean, it's like, it is, of course is a contrast of darkness that you came out of and the light that God gives you. He is the Father of lights. And he gives you this experience. Well, then what happens is we have children. We begin to raise those children in the church. Now, we, that was first, what we call first generation, some people want to argue that, but, you know, I think it's just semantics. It's just words. If you, if you come out of sin, you come out of darkness, you come out of the world, you never knew anything about the truth, you're first generation. And, uh, but then you have produce a next generation by having children, and you're being in the church, you're raising those children in the church. They're being taught, as we say, from the cradle and uh, from, shall we say, dedication. And then the time will come when they'll be baptized in Jesus' name. And God will give them the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they'll be in the body of Christ. And then maybe a third generation will come along. The difference is, and the challenge for those of you that are raised in the church, is that we, as first generation, we made mistakes. We did it wrong. We just didn't know any better. So we, we came out of the septic tank. We came out of the garbage. We came out of the filth. Yes, that's our testimony. God saved us from whatever he delivered us from. Some people get delivered from alcohol. Some people get delivered from other forms of drugs. Some people get delivered from Hollywood, all the television, the movies, the cuss words, the filth, the things that are you know, pretty much ashamed to talk about. 
get delivered from that. You get changed. You, get, you, don't, you don't have a taste for that anymore. You don't want that anymore. You don't want to be near that anymore. The places you used to go, you don't go there anymore because you don't want to. The things you used to do, you don't do them anymore because you don't want to. You've got something better. And when you come in to the church as a second or third generation or beyond, then your testimony is that I never tasted the garbage. I was, I was raised in the church. So that's your testimony, that God kept you. That God kept you from the septic tank. From like the, the, the pig that was wallering in the mud. God kept you from that. That's your testimony. So some of us came out of the, the mud, and others of us were so blessed to be raised in the church that they never, never tasted. They never experienced that kind of mud and mess and garbage and filth. Some people think they have to go do something to gain a testimony. No, no, no. Your testimony is God kept me. God power. I'm kept by his power. I'm kept by his glory. I'm kept by his grace. I'm kept by his love. Amen. I don't want to be, if you're a young lady, don't want to be a Jezebel or whatever name you'd like to put to it in the generation that we live. Okay? You don't want to be like that person. That person or people are not, that's not your role model. That's not who you want to be like. Not at all. And the same thing with our young men. We're not taking these others for our role models. We don't want to look like them. We don't want to act like them. We don't want to talk like them. We don't want to go the places they go. We don't want to be influenced by what they try to get people to do through their, shall we say, advertisements and things of that nature. And what they make look so appealing. We're not moved by that, by God's grace, by God's help. So David said, look, he said, number one, he said, the Lord is my light. He's my salvation. He said, whom shall I fear? Nothing to fear. The Lord is my helper, he said in another place. I'm not going to fear what man's going to do because the Lord is my helper. Everybody said amen. Amen. And he went on to say, the Lord is the strength of my life. Whom, of whom shall I be afraid? There's nothing that we have to be afraid of. There's nothing that we have to be cowering from and shrinking in a corner somewhere because the Lord is our strength. And who is strong like our Lord? Who could be compared to our God, creator of heaven and earth? Hey, man, we've got the best. He gave us the best. He gave us the best. Thank you for not getting distracted tonight. I'll only take a few more minutes. Just stick with me. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. He said, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, he said, they stumbled and fell. He said, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. 
Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. And then he pulled it together and he said, One thing have I desired. 27 and 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Listen, you want to stay in the church. You want to be a part of the church. Amen. And amen. And amen. And amen. Amen. There's nothing out there. There's nothing good. There's nothing eternal of any eternal value. And let me tell you, eternity is closing in for people. There are people that today will die tragically, unexpectedly. This will be their last seconds on earth. They'll get in car wrecks. Their motorcycle will get run over. They'll be in plane crashes. They'll have some kind of heart attack or other physical situation take place. Maybe a brain aneurysm. We had a neighbor some years ago, and she worked here locally for a lawyer. She was very kind to us and the church. She never would come in. She knew because she did a lot of work, and she understood what we believed. But one day, just sitting like you're sitting, and a doctor told me, he said, if I had been sitting right next to her, he said, there isn't one thing I could have done to have saved her. She had a brain aneurysm. Think of that as a tire, and you're riding along, and it suddenly blows out. Blah, 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 blah. And you just can't go any further because the tire's flat. And that's what a brain aneurysm is. It's a vein or an artery, and it's kind of like the tire. It develops a weak place, and it, the blood pressure, and it just blows out. The only trouble is when that happens, you pretty much die instantly. And that's what took place. Don't believe she was expecting that. She was on a little vacation up in Okeechobee. I don't know if I'm ever going to go to Okeechobee for a vacation myself. Anyway, everybody said praise the Lord. Yeah. Okay. One thing he said have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord for a week, for a month, for the first 15, 16, 17, 18 years of my life. That's not what it says. That's not what it says. No, no, no. He said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Get in the church and stay in the church. Get in the church and stay in the church. No place I'd rather be. Right here in God's love. Dwelling where God's power is. Mercy is. Amen. Amen. Everybody said hallelujah. God is a good God. You may be seated probably the last time. I'm going to look for the beauty of the Lord, and I'm going to inquire in his temple. That's what I'm going to do, David said. He said, that's the one thing. That was his one thing. It got put this way, inspired by the Holy Ghost, the Apostle Paul was. And he said, brethren, he said, I, listen closely now. He said, I count not myself. To have apprehended. I'm not going to act like I've already made it. I'm 
Oh, no, I'm not going to act like I, I, got, I got this. I got it all. <laughs> I was worried about nothing. I, nah. No, he said, I'm not going to act like that. This is the Apostle Paul now we're talking about. Okay. One who said he labored more than they all. And he is what he is by the grace of God. He said, but this one thing I do. He didn't say I'm going to do it. He said, I do it. I'm, I'm in the midst of doing this. One thing I do. Look what, he's, look what he's doing. Listen to what he's doing. Forgetting those things which are behind. There's things we just got to let go of. Just let them go behind us. And just listen to what he said now, how, how he phrased it in the Holy Ghost. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth. There's an effort here. There's a raising of our hands, our hearts of our hands. There's a reaching forth. Doesn't that remind you of the, as one example of the woman that had a hemorrhage for 12 years? She must have lost an awful lot of blood. And the Bible teaches that she made her way through so many things that tried to keep her from getting to what there is going to be hindrances. There is going to be, the devil is going to do junk to hinder you, to discourage you, to try to turn you right or turn you left or, God forbid, turn you back. But she was reaching forth until she touched the hem of his garment. And you know, <laughs> when she did, and the glory, the virtue, the moral excellence, the power, of God came forth. Man, everything was made right. Stay in the church. Because you know what? One service can make all the difference. One touch of the master's hand can change everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can remain standing. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press. I press toward the mark. You've got to put some effort here. I had lots of people in our lives, my wife and I, that, that tried to hinder us, that tried to turn us different ways, made all kinds of statements. But you know what? Like David and like Paul, it's one thing I do. It's one thing I desire. A little difference in the wording, but the, the, the desire, the drive, the intent, it's, it's pretty much synonymous. Yeah, pretty much synonymous. Each guy had his own way of saying, the Holy Ghost had his own way of saying. I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press toward, isn't that what, use the word, the same word, about the little woman, she made her way through the press. Well, if I press, that means there's something in the way here. Whatever it might be, and I'm pressing my way. I'm going to fight off the devil. Fight off the powers of darkness and hell. I press toward the mark, the bullseye. I'm not just going to take anything. I'm looking for center ring. I'm looking for the bullseye. 
press toward the mark for the prize. Everybody said the prize. I know all you kids like prizes. Well, this is the prize of the high calling of God in the church. That's the prize you want. There's no, not going to be any greater accomplishment that a person can make than to be caught away in the first resurrection. You know, there's going to be people that say they want the day of the Lord. And God said, why are you desiring the day of the Lord? <laughs> you know, God was evaluating where they were at. He was saying, it's not going to be a good day for you. But you know, for God's church, it's going to be a good day. For God's people, it's going to be a good day. For those that Nahum 2 and 5, when he recounts his worthies, I want to be a worthy. I want to be worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Take a moment with me. Lift your heart with your hands. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, holy God. We need you, holy King. Oh, God, without you, there's nothing. I ask you, Holy Father, I praise you, Holy King. You're the God of gods, the Lord of lords. I look to you, Lord. I praise you. I praise you. I praise you, Holy King. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, my God. Thank you, my Savior. Thank you, my King, my Lord and my God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings, God. Your many blessings. Thank you. Maintained by the prayer and the reading and the worship and the services and the involvement in the church, maintain clarity. The enemy wants to clog up your thinking. He wants to dull your mind. He wants to blind your eyes and just stop up your ears. So you pray and you ask God to help you stay involved and to avoid and to shun. The Bible uses that word. The things that confuse. We can't afford to get confused, church family. We've got too much to gain, to lose. Too much. So let's forget what's behind. Let it rush past us as we go forward. In Jesus' great name. Everybody said amen. Everybody said hallelujah. Well, give God a big hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, dear God.